0: were traveling with Jesus and turning to them, he said, if anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying, this person began to build and wasn't able to finish. Or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Won't he first sit down and consider whether he is able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? If he is not able, he will send a delegation while the other is still a long way off and will ask for terms of peace. In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have you have, cannot be my disciple.
1: Morning, Church. Um, today I want to start off with a story. Uh, when I was a chaplain back in um, in Ipswich or Brisbane area at a school called Woodcrest College, and I had a number of uh, regular boys who would come up and, and hang out with me and and sometimes they would be escaping trouble and that's why they'd end up, up End up with me, or sometimes they'd already been in trouble, and so they would basically be sent to me and 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 just to work through some of the things they're doing. and And there there a number that came out and hung out in the at times quite regularly. and And um, and so one of them, um, by the name of Tyrone, uh, was a kid that he was an excitable kid. Like he was, he was a good kid overall, but he would do silly things that would you'd know, open his mouth when he probably should have shut it. He would wouldn't think through some of the things he was doing and, and, and where he'd end up. And, and so some of the choices he made weren't great, but at his heart, he wasn't, it wasn't a bad kid. And, um, so one day I decided to take him to the driving range and just have a bit of a chat with him about how life was going for him. And, um, golf turned out to be a really good teaching point because as I watched him, um, with his driver and his five iron and, and different clubs that he tried on the day, he, would miss the ball over and over and over again and he would try harder he would try to hit the ball harder and as i watched him i realized no, I'm, I'm, now i'm i'm not a great golfer by any means but i i noticed that okay some of the things he was doing weren't were actually making it difficult for him to hit the ball um and sometimes he was trying too hard sometimes he was overcorrecting way too much And so sometimes when he did hit it, the ball wouldn't go straight at all, but it'd go in a different direction. And so he kept trying to do the same wrong thing over and over again, hoping for a better result. And we got talking about that, how that was the same in his life as well. He kept on doing the same silly things at school and what the results were. And I said to him, do you hope to, that that life will turn out any differently if you keep doing the same thing? And he kind of went, no, it, it won't. It, it, and so he realized through that that he he had to change some of the things he was doing. And again, I can't say whether he changed fully. It wasn't long after that that I, I left Brisbane and we, we hit, ended up in Chinchilla. But there was an opportunity from saying, hey, if you want to get somewhere different, you need to change what you're doing now. And today we're, we're talking about uh, us experiencing God and, and wanting us to grow deeper with God and want us to become obedient with God. And following on from where we were last, last time was that idea we come to that crisis of belief. And in that, basically then after we come to sort of say, yes, this is what I believe, God then comes to us and he says, I want you to make changes. I want you to do different things. And so, It is his will for us to move in obedience, but God needs to do some stuff in us first. And so today we're going to be talking about change. We're going to be talking about making adjustments. And the reality for that is that we're going to look at this thing that that can be difficult for some of us because we kind of want God as an add-on, but what we need to realize is God is a transformer. He wants to change who we are. He wants to prepare us for His work, for His will, for His purposes. And so God needs to do a work in us and we need to be willing to allow that to happen. And that is difficult. I'm going to say that up front. I don't believe this is an easy thing for us to do because there is a battle between our will and God's will. It's a battle between us being in control and God being Lord of our life. And again, I'm happy to say that I want God to be Lord of my life. But sometimes... That inner part of me doesn't want it as much. And so we need to get to the point. So, what adjustments do we need to make? Well, as I said, we're going to hear that quite a bit today. And so, the first thing I want to talk about is the fact that adjustments are necessary. I'm not saying adjustments are possible. I'm not going to say adjustments are likely. Adjustments will be necessary. When God calls us, into his will and we we come to that crisis of belief and say, yes, Lord, I will follow that. God will want us to make changes. And so what we need to realize is that um, there's going to be a process that we go to. Um, Sometimes we get to the point where we kind of go, God, give us a job. I'll go do it. No change needed. But that's not how the Bible looks at it. Every time God spoke in the Bible about something he wanted to do through someone, major adjustments were necessary. And in fact, when you look at it in Luke 14, 33, that was read earlier, any of you who does not give up everything he has cannot be my disciple. And so we kind of actually, right at the beginning, we see the expectation from God of, of what it is to be a disciple, because this, this is all wrapped up in this idea. This idea of following God is is about being a disciple. Uh, this idea of being transformed by God is about being a disciple. And so, if we want to be a disciple, God is saying everything I've got everything's got to be open to me. And so that's why those adjustments are necessary. You see, adjusting life to God is the second critical turning point. Last time we talked about the crisis of faith being that first critical turning point. Well, this is the second. Um, And both are necessary for the action um, because once we've adjusted our lives to God and His purposes, you are in the perfect position to obey. And this is the thing we need to realize, just puts it really simply, you cannot stay where you are or how you are and go with God. You realize that? You cannot stay where you are as well as go with God. That journey of going with God is a changing journey. And so if you are resistant to change, you won't move as God wants you to move. And so that becomes really clear. We look at the Bible and Noah, he could not continue his life as it was and still build the ark. All of a sudden that took up everything he did. Abraham could not stay in his homeland and follow God. Pharaoh could, Moses could not look after the sheep on the mountain and still confront Pharaoh. There was a change needed in that. And the disciples had to leave their fishing net business to walk with Jesus. With all these examples, um, what we will find is that when the necessary adjustments are made, God can begin to accomplish his purpose. In essence, this idea is a necessary step of discipleship and of being a disciple. And even though it is a step of faith um, to obedience, it can often be um, the most difficult step. As we don't want God to change us. Or maybe we, we don't see the need for God to change us. If we are not willing to make adjustment, we will likely miss out on what God is wanting for us. Let me give you two examples. Elisha was the, the prophet that followed after Elijah. And he was in that position where Elisha just, Elijah just came up, showed up one day and, and walked up to him and put his cloak over Elisha. Now, Elisha knew exactly what that meant. God had asked Elijah to call Elisha into that same ministry. But at the same time, Elisha was actually plowing a field for his father. So he had a, 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 um, a, a yoke and he had like the, the plow and he had a, a set of oxen, probably about 12 oxen um, that were plowing the field. So that's what he was committed to doing right at that point in time. And so he looked and he, I don't know what his thought process was, but he broke up the plough and and the, the yoke, he slaughtered the oxen. He basically barbecued them and 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 gave them out to the village. Now what was the purpose of that? Why did that why is that story even in there? Because basically what you see Elisha has done, he's actually prevented, he's made a change. He said, I will not be going back to this life. So this business that I'm in of of farming is no longer the call of my life. I've I've burnt the bridge back to that life because I'm going to solely dedicate myself to the call that God has put on my life. We see a similar story of of sorts in the New Testament when the rich young ruler comes up to Jesus and he's come up and he's actually, what must I do for eternal life? And and Jesus actually, he he stretches out a bit more because he ultimately says, I want you to come and follow me, which is the way to eternal life. But the, the the rich young ruler was just lo- looking for an affirmation on the life he was already living. But when Jesus, he came to that point, he just said, you must give up all your wealth, give it away to the poor and come and follow me. If you want eternal life, come and follow me. But this is going to be the thing that blocks you. And we see a different response from the rich young ruler compared to Elisha because what we see is a rich young ruler walked away in sorrow because he had much wealth. He had an idol there in his life. He had something that he could not let go of, something that prevented him from from adjusting his life to what God wanted him to do. And that's what it'll be like for us. In his workbook, Henry Blackaby, um, Workbook Experiencing God, Henry Blackaby had this question at this point. Do you want to be the one who is wholly yielded, adjusted and obedient to God? It's a big question. Some of us might answer in part or, or mostly, we are mostly yielded to God, mostly adjusted and obedient to God. But looking at this question, it's a clear reminder of Wesley's teaching of sanctification, being totally surrendered to God because of your relationship with him. It's again, sanctification and being obedient is not about earning our way, it's actually a response to the relationship we find ourselves in, which is a starting point of experiencing God. This is why some people can be Christian for years but never grow because they never say yes to God in that way. And some can even be a Christian just last week, but they're willing to say yes to God straight away and be more of use by him because of that. This is why sanctification is not a sign of longevity as a Christian. It's actually about your willingness to change and follow God. It's not an age thing. It's not a years in the church thing. It's not even a knowledge thing. It is a choice that you make to be willing to adjust your life to God. So whether you're a child, a youth, a young adult or an adult or beyond, you are all in a place where you can say yes at this point. So will you? Will you say yes? Well, this leads us into the next question. What kind of adjustments do we need to make? What kind, what kind of things does God want me to change? Well, for some of you, maybe all of you, before you say yes to that previous question, um, you want to answer this question. What kind of adjustments, what kind of change will God expect in my life? Trying to answer that question is like um, trying to list all the things that God might ask us to change. Um, the list would be, would be endless. But there are some general categories I want to talk to you about today where God might want you to make adjustments. These include in your circumstances, so that includes everything from your job, your finances, your home, uh, in your relationships, family, friends, workmates, um, in in our thinking, so our prejudices, our methods, your potential, our attitudes, in our commitments to family, to church, to job, plans, traditions, in our actions, how we pray, give and serve, and in our beliefs, about God, His purposes, His ways, and your relationship with Him. Now, you may hear that list and go, I may have listed some things that are all off-limit to God. God, I will do this, and I'll give you this, but you're not touching that area of my life. As soon as we do that, there is a blockage from obeying God. There's something that prevents us from experiencing Him fully. Now, I want to re-emphasize that I am in no way saying that this is meant to be an easy thing or it is an easy thing for us to go through. As I've worked through this myself this past week, some of the questions I am asking you stopped me for a bit. My yes was a little bit slower than I wanted it to be at times. I was hesitant uh, at times. But I do know that this is what is what and where God wants us to be. It doesn't mean we will respond in the positive, but I do know that's what God wants of us. God is interested in absolute surrender, and it is done in the, to the person of Jesus surrender, Jesus who we surrender to, who knows us, who loves us, He, he knows what's best for us, and can achieve what He asks um, us to do in our lives. In saying that, the adjustments that God wants us to make, they are worth it. Um, they are worth the change, they are worth the sacrifice. And we do need to understand that because the next point is a rather difficult one because obedience is costly. Obedience is costly. And what I I mean by that is that when we obey God, don't don't think that when I'm obedient, life actually gets better and that when I'm disobedient, life gets bad. It doesn't work that way. In fact, you look at Jesus' life. He was obedient and it took him to the cross. And so what I'm saying is that obedience will require change and often can, will often will require some kind of sacrifice involved in that. It is costly to us. We can say, um, that the God is Lord of our lives and that he can interrupt us at any time that he wants, but most of the time we don't expect him to do it. We can stand up in church and, and belt out our favorite hymn of commitment or, or say, yes, God, to this, and then. but we're not really expecting God to come in and do anything real radical. We expect him to affirm what we're already doing and never ask us to change anything. But we can look um, at the life of Paul and see this is very plainly wrong. Before knowing Jesus, he was respected because of his position, knowledge and reputation within the community but after coming to know Jesus and proclaiming him, those who were for him were very much against him. And Paul was called um, to follow Jesus, but there were costs that came with obedience. Paul had adjusted his life to God's will and therefore was willing to go through those things. In Second Corinthians 11, we see Paul list um, the things that he had faced. He'd worked hard, prisoned, whipped by Gentiles and Jews, beaten with rods, shipwrecked, stoned a few times, had sleepless nights, and he summed it all up that he had faced danger. That was an understatement. But in spite of, of all that, all those things that cost Paul so much, this is what he came to say in uh, Philippians 3, 10 to 12. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and the participation in his sufferings becoming like him in death and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already attained it, um, obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Here Paul says, um, what Paul says here inspires him um, in spite of the cost. It is still... In spite of these sufferings, I it is still my passion, my goal, and I will keep following Jesus. David Livingstone, the great missionary from Scotland, who gave his life to making Christ known in Africa, wrote this prayer of commitment. Lord, send me anywhere, only go with me. Lay any burden on me, only sustain me. Sever any tie, but the tie that buys, binds me to thyself. Here we have David Livingston ready to say, God, I'm willing to do anything as long as you are central to it. And I think that's the thing. Like when we're obedient, yes, there may be some tough things that happen, but God will always, always be present. He will always strengthen you, which leads us to this our final point for today, that we need to come to a place where we have total dependence on God. See, obedience requires total dependence on God to work through us. John fifteen five says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So here is Jesus talking to his disciples saying, when you are connected to me, you will be able to do much through my power, through my direction, through my growth in you. But if you separate yourself from me, if you take a vine and take the stick and take it away from the the branch, it withers up and dies. And God is saying, Jesus is saying exactly the same thing, that we need to stay connected to him to be able to rely on him at all things. This again speaks of our relationship with God with such importance because we must remain in him um, for God to do what only he can do. This adjustment requires moving from doing work for God according to our abilities, our gifts, our resources, and our goals, to being totally dependent on God, His working, and His resources. To put it simply, my strength, however great I think it is or isn't, will never be my limit. God's strength and power and His will become my limit. So we need to be totally dependent on God, but depending on Him means waiting on Him. Now, if if we let God be God, uh, it means His strength and guidance, and of all of what will come in His time, and all of it will come in His timing. It is His right to say what and when in regard to obedience. The when means at a time we we have that that means at times we have to wait. But waiting um, with God is never a waste. It's not like it's 10 minutes before school finishes and you're, you're just waiting for the bell to finish. You're not hearing anything the teacher saying. You're packing up your pencil case. You're getting ready to go. It's not that you've got 10 minutes left at work and you're packing your bag because as soon as it's time, you're walking out the door. It's not a waste of those times. Waiting on God is a time where is of great benefit to us. Isaiah 30 um, um, verse 31 says, Yet those who wait for the Lord, will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. You see, waiting times are restoring times. Waiting on him is always worth the wait. His timing and his way are always right. You must depend on him to guide you in his way and in his timing to accomplish his purpose. And so here we come to this point where all of a sudden we build all these things together is that we, we need to make adjustments. Adjustments are necessary and we listed some of those adjustments that we need to look at in our life and let God lead us through those things. All of a sudden we do need to realise that when we are obedient to God, it can cost us and likely will cost us in some way. We don't stay where we are when we follow God. It remains some kind of change. But it gets to the, it should be getting us to the point where we become totally dependent upon him for his work in our life and through us as we serve him. I want to finish up with the verse I began with from Luke 14, 33. Any of you who does not give up everything he, he has cannot be my disciple. I want you to take that on board and think that through this week. Like, is there anything that you're holding on to that if God called you in that area, you would be unwilling to adjust your life to Him? It's not, I'm not saying that, yeah, and you might be thinking that thing might jump up in your mind straight away, I'm not willing to give up this house or, or this thing or my job or my, my I'm not going to sort of sacrifice anything for my children. But what if God wants to ask that of you? There is an area of your life that He is not Lord. Now I'm not saying he will ask you in those areas but he will know if that area is there and so will you. You will be aware of it and so I want you this week to really think through that. Where is God calling me to adjust my life so that I'm really ready to serve him in his power and his strength and in his timing as he calls me to follow you. I'm just going to close in prayer today. I pray again that you are letting God work in your life as we move through this, this series and, and you, are, you are already experiencing God in greater ways. Let's just take some time to pray. Lord, I thank you that you are present um, wherever we are, even in our homes as we, as we hear this message today. I thank you that you are able to um, come, come close to us in our times of need But more than that, Lord, I thank you that you call us to be in relationship with you and in so doing to join with your work. But in so doing, Lord, we need to change and adjust our life to you. And sometimes that's an external thing, Lord. Sometimes that's something that's really deep within us. And I, I pray that we are willing to let your spirit examine us fully, that we would come to a point where we would be willing to say yes to have our lives wholly yielded, wholly adjusted, wholly surrendered to your hands. I pray in that that we would know what it is to live the sanctified life, a life where you rule, you are truly Lord in our lives. I pray that our young people, our older people, for for our parents, for our children, Lord, that each one in the, in the various stages of life would actually know that I can do this myself. I can make this choice for myself to be surrendered to God. It's not something that someone else has to do for me. It's something that I can do right here, right now. So I pray for the church this week as they um, examine themselves, Lord, that they they would know your will and would be willing to change so that they are ready to serve you. We pray this in your name. Amen.